Jennifer Carter, and thank you for joining me on a podcast for parents, teachers, and administrators. Today's conversation should be a good one, and I'm sure it's something on your mind. So let's get to it. So thanks so much for joining me on a conversation. Um, So if you could just like give me a little bit about your background, introduce yourself a little bit. Sure. Yeah. So first of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to chat with you. Um, So my name is Alexis Shepard, and I've been teaching for nine years um, in the state of South Carolina, and I have taught grades two, four, and six. So I'm elementary certified, and in my state, that means I'm eligible to teach grades two through six. Um, And so I've spent four years in second three years in fourth, and then this is my second year in sixth grade, and sixth grade is probably my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, just just as far as like where they are in terms of their development, um, I love being able to talk to the kids about becoming. You know, I'm all about the personal development aspect of things. I'm an ELA teacher. Um, I don't think that I mentioned that, and so I weave a lot of different things into that ELA content. I love the um, opportunity for integration and what it is that I do. And I do it a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a talker, case y'all can't tell. Um, and I love to have conversation. That's like my number one way to connect with people. Like mm-hmm. we could sit and, and, ha- and me and you have this conversation for a ridiculous amount of time. I'm, I suspect that that's very true because I'm also <laughs> I love that. So like, yeah, when I got in trouble in school, like it was, it was for talking. Um, but I found that I I never saw that as an asset. Mm. Right. But around that time, this, this same time period when I, you know, after I had tried to leave the classroom, I just remember the times that I felt my best and the times that I felt most connected to my students and they felt most connected to me is when we were just having conversations. And that's really when I started to lean into this part of myself where it's like, this is like this, this is my thing. Like my thing is not the cute PowerPoints. My thing is not the dancing and the singing. My thing is talking to my students and just connecting with them on that, Mm -hmm. like, you know, very real, very authentic, very Mm -hmm. raw, Mm -hmm. simplistic way. Mm -hmm. And I never saw that as a teaching strategy, let alone an effective teaching strategy, something that can work. But it really is. And they love it. They soak it up. They eat it up. And I'm, when I tell you, I just pull up, I'll pull up my little teacher chair sometimes. And we'll have what I call life chats where, you know, we're, we're just vibing. And so I think that recognizing that, that, that was, was actually something that was an asset, something that was uh, an effective thing that I could do with my students that didn't require me to be someone else mm-hmm. and to rely on all of these outside strategies. So I would say those are the top two things that um, sort of refreshed and rejuvenated me and made me feel like, okay, okay, you, you, you got this. And then the third thing, and I would say of, of the three kind of big things was boundaries and just really giving my time to those things that I was most passionate about and that were most valuable to me. Because we know that in schools, sometimes people ask you to do things and they're thinking, oh, I think so-and-so would be really good at that. 
And just because you would be good at something doesn't mean that you have to do it or that you're passionate about it. And for me, if I'm not going to be able to give quality time right. and I'm not going to be able to serve this committee or do this task with fidelity, I'm going to say no to it. And it's not just about me, although it does benefit me. It's also about, you know, you, you probably don't want that. You know, right. I, I wouldn't want to give that kind of product to you. And I certainly wouldn't want someone else to do that to me. Mm. So, you know, a lot of, it was a lot of inner stuff for me at first. And they're really starting hardcore that journey with the boundaries. But it's really interesting. Everything that you're talking about is you. It has nothing to do with changing the school. It has nothing to do with like changing the curriculum or your students. It really is about getting to a place where you do that authentic self-assessment, what can, what am I going to bring of me? So I'm not wearing myself out every day. You know, how can I be authentic and kind of do my thing and come up with my thing? And then how can I just do the things I'm really good at, you know, and that's, you know, I think you have hit the, the, the golden, not ticket, because it's three things, but you know, like, you definitely have tapped into some really, imp- the most important thing is knowing yourself, mm-hmm. knowing what you're capable of and what you're not capable of. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, because teachers tend to be smarty pants, we think we're good at everything. Yeah. But, but we're not. I mean, this is this. I tell people this all the time. I am really bright. I catch on to things really well. I can pick up a lot of stuff. I cannot photocopy for the life of me. I cannot. Every time I try to make photocopies that are more than like three or four of them, I mess it up every time. And I think I got so frustrated with myself. Like it was, it's been some time ago. And I just realized I'm just not good at this. Right. But it it also triggered like, wait, there's other stuff you're not good at. Why are you trying to do the stuff you're not good at? Do the stuff you're good at and you'll be good at the stuff you're doing. Right. Um, Absolutely. And but that's sometimes so hard because a, a certain kind of person is a good teacher and that person has that confidence and is really smart. And so it's hard to admit when you, it's, it's like that level of vulnerability with yourself and other people also, which may yeah. be folks. Yeah. I think, I think too. Um, and when we talk about like good teachers, I think also there's this notion, I talk about this on Instagram a lot. There's this notion of what it takes to be a good teacher. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times our idea of what it takes to be a good teacher, we never look at ourselves and think off top, oh, I'm a good teacher. You think about all of these layers of things you have to do or be or appear as. And I think that's problematic as well, because you then you go into your classroom or you go into these educational spaces and there's like this this list of things you feel like you have to check off in order to be identified as that. You know, even though I was confident in my ability to be a good teacher when I started teaching. I mean, it may have been recently, like within the last couple of years that I've started to look in the mirror and say, you know what, you're a good teacher or to not dismiss someone when they would say something or try to 
you know, when, when people give you compliments, minimize what you do and your impact and your influence on students. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I, I think that's a part of it too, is, is reframing that narrative about who a good teacher is and what it takes to be a good teacher. You know, my question is always, well, why aren't you a good teacher? Mm-hmm. What is it about you? And do you know that most of the time when people answer that question, it's all related to like tasks. Mm. Well, I don't get, you know, I, I don't get my grading done in time or, you know, I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't get to meet with this many students for conferencing or it rarely has to do with what impact they're making on their students. It's yeah. all uh, task oriented. Well, maybe that's that's the 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 starting point, mm. you know, that we need to change the question. Mm. Those of us who are teachers, we can say, what can I do to help students the most? Mm. Right. And you take Mm -hmm. you sort of take the whole responsibility completely off of yourself and say, Mm. what am I what do I have that I can give them? Yes. Make it simple. Yes. Yes. I love that so much. What do I have that I can give them? I love that because it's what do I have? Not what can I do? It's what's already there that I can sort of push out. And I think that's the most important part of it. Um, but there's also that element where we have to be okay with that, right? Like it took me six or seven years before I was even okay being like, talking is enough. You don't, you don't have to have all of that extra. So I think there's also that too, where you, you have to get to that point where you're willing to accept and you have the capacity to accept that, you know, even in that simplistic sort of view, cause that's, I mean, that, to me, that's the answer to all the questions right there is what do I have, you know, to offer? What what can I do that will, you know, most benefit or most help or most impact my students? What do I have? Yeah. But some people don't think that that's enough. Um, and I yeah. and I and I wish that there was more work done around that. Right now, mm-hmm. my question is, how do we how do we how do we make everybody think this way? Well, you and I are doing it, right? You have your Instagram, I have my podcast. And that's sort of, you know, I did not expect to start a school. But, you know, God, you know how God is. Ergo, you end up in a a whale spit out somewhere that you had no plans on being or, you know, you had a career as a tax collector and then suddenly you're a a disciple, right? So it's sort of the the same idea. Um, but when I had the school, like, I don't, we, 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 we talk about like mining out what's in the teachers, Mm. you know, and like tapping in to what Mm. they bring to the classroom. And I think that's why the teachers are so happy to work there, you know, because they're just bringing what they have. And I'm like, the only thing everyone has to be good at is making sure that kids are safe. Right. And that they're learning. Right. Because if you do those, like everybody should be able to do that. That's like, right. but I have one teacher who's outrageous. She is super loud and crazy, but she brings that to the class. The kids get excited and she has this enthusiasm. I have another teacher that's just really artistic and she sees, she sees the curriculum and just imagines like this beautiful artwork that, and then says like, how can I help the kids develop the skills to do that? You know? So like, it's really about what are the different things mm. that you bring and, and 
what ends up happening is everybody's happy. Everyone's meeting mm. standards because you know what you have to teach them. You just right. your own way. Right. I think in public school, especially people are afraid because there's a standardized test. So I have to be standardized. And that's not the mm. truth. Mm. You know, that's not the truth at all. Oh, child. Oh, you just, oh, that, that was a word. I got a, I'm running a praise lap in my mind. That was, that was really, really rich. Oh my goodness. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And there's also this fear of, uh, you know, in some public schools and in, unfortunately the schools I've worked in as well, there's also a lot of, um, parent control, right? And I I think we all have to acknowledge that learning, when it comes to what happens in our classrooms, it's not just us. It's a team effort. It is me. It's the learner. It is also home, right? And and the ways that the kids are, or in some cases, aren't being supported there, right? Because that gives us information on, um, you know, maybe how we can fill in those gaps or how we can support those kids. Um, But there's, you know, there, there's that, So I think we have to acknowledge that. But there's also this thing of, well, I can't talk about this or I can't be this way because of what this parent might think. Right. And because the the public schools are beholden, you know, they they answer to, you know, this higher this higher power, a.k.a. the state. Right. They kind of feel like their hands are tied when it comes to really being able to offer that support or to actively support teachers in, hey, what do you bring? I mean, I just, my heart just skipped a beat when you said, yeah, we, we mine, you know, what's in teachers out. I'm like, oh, that's, that sounds amazing. Y'all, y'all got trainings y'all doing, y'all traveling, y'all, hey, y'all packing that up and taking that places. Well, we actually do. However, um, I think you know, to be honest, I, I would probably want to get at your, your principal first. Right. Right. Because everybody, you know, unfortunately, so, and I do this all the time, like this is the kid and mm-hmm. around the kid, you have the parent and then around mm-hmm. the parent, you have the teacher and then around mm-hmm. you have the, the various levels of principal and administrator. Yeah. And then you get into the superintendent and then you get in legislators. And by the time you talk about who's really having an impact on that kid. People are this far away making a decision about way what's in the middle. Right. And so it's, it's kind of, it has to, that's why this is a podcast for parents, teachers, and administrators, Mm. because we all have to support that next level down because we don't have one-on-one interaction with what's at the center. Right. I got to take the teach the the parents word for how their kid is and collaborate. Right. Then we collectively have to talk to our principal so that we can come up with something effective mm. for the child. And then that principal mm. has to look and say, my teachers and parents are saying this and carry that to the superintendent. Yeah. Wow. So it really has to be all the way yeah. you know, where people like little messengers and kind of carrying mm-hmm. the message. Wow. So, you know, I, I'm really good at teaching teachers how to optimize because I never I maybe this is terrible, but I never follow rules. I, I, I have to say, if I have any former bosses listening, I understand what a pain I was. <laughs> I was like I had a I had a um, department head who was like, I think you're cheating because your kids scores are so much better. And I was like, no, I'm just better teaching. 
I'm better at teaching than you are. I said what I did, right? <laughs> you but heard what you heard. And you heard what you heard and you're feeling what you feel. And I didn't care. But now as a, as an administrator, I'm like, okay, that right. was, that was not, right. I, it was true, but it was not ideal. Um, so I, I mean, empowering teachers, but then like making principals not feel so afraid also, mm. you know, like you can reach this and, and, and understanding your community sounds very different then I have another friend in South Carolina and her, most of her students are black or I don't even remember, but they sound very different. Mm-hmm. Those principals have to approach their populations very different, yeah. but they're yeah. because of just what you said, like what's the state going to say and we're accountable. But I would argue that if we are really accountable to our communities, you would feel empowered to be different. Right. Right. Absolutely. I'm just saying. Absolutely. Especially if it, you know, ultimately, you know, what my whole idea, for example, of empowering teachers isn't just about the teachers themselves. It is because I know the empowered teachers and the impact that empowered teachers will have on students. Right. If teachers are happy to be there and they feel supported and they have those basic needs being met, then the stuff that the kids will experience and the ways that teachers will bend over backwards and do and bring and become is, I mean, I don't, I don't think we've seen the likes of. And so ultimately when you talk about, and I love this graphic of the kid being in the center and all of these layers around, I know that that's what is going to impact that. And that's, what's going to influence that. And so you would think that if you, you know, it's kind of like me, like, I'm one of those people to, as they call, uh, upset the apple cart, you know, like everybody else on the team is doing this and you're not. But it's also because I 100% can justify what I'm doing and I can tell you how my kids are learning, how they're benefiting, why this method, in my opinion, is more effective than that method and what impact it's having. And I think that if you can also do that when it comes to the community, like, hey, this is what we're doing and this is why we're doing it for these kids. You know, this is how this is impacting these students. Right. Right. We say bring receipts. You know, if you can, if you can gather your receipts and say, here they are, I have my test scores. I have my student satisfaction. I have my parent interactions. You know, you, it becomes that conversation I have with my department chair, Right. Because you are doing what every district always talks about. It's data driven. Mm, mm. Here's the data. Mm. Stop making me do that over there. Because that's right. This data says that that is not as effective as this. Right. Exactly. But, you know, I think, again, that goes into wellness for teachers because it's about giving them that confidence. And, And I would argue that as you talk about the performative aspects and the code switching, but more importantly, the boundary part. Boundaries are are setting, you know, I think people forget they work both ways. It keeps things out, but it also allows you to to bring forth stuff. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. You're you're saving a space, you know? Right. Exactly. So 
we we really could talk for much longer than we could. It would, be, it would be absurd. <laughs> but I try to, you know, make sure that I keep, you know, the, the episodes about a half an hour. Um, but if ever you have questions or you want to talk, you want to throw ideas around, if you do have interest in sort of seeing what we do and how we do it, then let me know. I would be more than happy to share. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I have so enjoyed this conversation. You dropped so many gems, so many nuggets. You know, I'm one of those people I love to, you know, in that connection, I love to listen and learn and I internalize a lot of things. So thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. Cause honey, <laughs> y'all can't, y'all can't see me, but I started to run a praise lap. <laughs> Well, thank you. It's been a delight. And like I said, your students are so, and and I'm, I just have to say, a Black woman in what you describe, they are lucky to have you. And I know a lot of people don't realize that. And maybe you don't even realize that, but they are so lucky to have you. They're- well, thank you so much. Thank you. That it, it does. It does help to remember that. Um, you know, my mom has even shared with me on the hard day. She's like, you may be one of the only black people that some of your students ever have a close personal relationship with. And the way that that will influence the way that they view and treat uh, and think about other other black people and other just people of color, people who are not like them, because this is a very homogenous community will matter. So thank you so much for that. I appreciate that. All right. Well, like I said, if ever you want to get in touch again, you have my email and I would be more than willing to talk. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. So that was my conversation with Alexis, also known as the Afro educator. Um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the hardships of being a new teacher and I would say being a new teacher is not just a teacher that's been in the profession for a month or a day or a week or a year or two. I would argue that a new teacher is someone who hasn't made those discoveries that will make them effective in class for long term. You know, um, when you get into the teaching profession, people don't necessarily tell you that they say it's hard, but they don't necessarily describe the things that are difficult. They don't describe the emotional difficulty when you see students in your class that you know are homeless and not eating. They don't describe the impact that um, when something tragic happens to a student. I had a student um, whose brother was murdered and she found him. And we all it was it was a grisly, grisly murder. And it was in our community. And she came to school. The night. we the kids were all like, Mrs. Carter, did you know? And I said, oh, my God, that's no, I didn't. You know, I don't really watch the news like that. Um, or I don't watch local news. I tend to watch um, more world perspective. So the kids were telling me about it. And then she walked in. And I, I looked at everyone, you know, that awkward pause. And I said, you know, are you okay? Do you, you know, she was like, no, I like coming to this class. Let's just be normal. And so we did, and we had a normal class, but I tell you, I went home 
And that was, oh my gosh, that might've been 2001, but I still think about that. You know, I think about um, the kid that I had who drove an ice cream truck and was failing my class because he had to work full time because his mom had six kids and the amount of money she was bringing in wasn't enough. And he said, you know, I have a job that I can go to after um, after I leave high school, but I got to make sure that my siblings have a roof over their head and they don't have anything yet. And we had to sit and sit down and negotiate how he was going to do just enough work. We literally calculated how much work he had to do to just pass my class. Um, you, I don't think that people know the, the emotional hardship that teaching brings. And then, you know, you have parents who are frustrated or scared or embarrassed of their ignorance. And I, I use ignorance on purpose because when you feel ignorant, it triggers a, an emotional response that that sometimes looks like anger. So, you know, if you didn't know, if you don't know what's wrong with your child, if they have a learning difference, wrong in parentheses, if they have a learning difference and you don't know how to address it and you feel that ignorance, you feel like I should know this, this is my kid. And at you know, you may direct that at a teacher and say, why aren't you doing this, that, and the other? Or these are the things that you're not doing for my child. And it, it feels really personal, especially to new teachers. In time, you build up a resilience to those things and you build up a, res a perspective to those things. But teaching is absolutely, completely can be draining until you get to those points where you have the proper perspectives and coping strategies to deal with the stuff that comes at you. If you don't have great classroom management and your kids are wild, um, you know, you're, you're looking at yourself thinking like, what's wrong with me? Um, and you may be embarrassed to ask for help or to get um, the proper support to get better. So again, I would say a new teacher is anyone who's struggling to, to get beyond those things. And for anyone who is truly meant to be a teacher, and I say truly meant to be a teacher because not everybody is meant to be a teacher. And that is not a slight. That is not a um, judgment. You know, I wasn't, <laughs> I went to engineering camp all through high school and part of college. I wasn't meant to be an engineer, you know, um, and I don't feel like a failure about it. I just, it wasn't my thing. I didn't have the passion for it the way I have for teaching. Sometimes teachers feel a little bit like they want to come in and save the world, and it just may not be their thing. They may be much more suited to do something else. But there is a group of us that are meant to do those things and that do have the wherewithal. And I am really disappointed at how many people feel driven out of the profession, even when they are good teachers or when they are doing something that they're very passionate about, but they internalize their missteps and their learning process as them not meant for this or them as failures. And again, 
you know, maybe changing the perspective so that you think of yourself as a new teacher until you build those strategies will help. Because eventually, if you're meant for this profession, you will build those strategies. I I had one lady, she was hurling racial slurs, calling me everything but a child of God, yelling at me. And it was the first time that I had been attacked by a parent. And my department chair had had run-ins with this particular person before. And he said, Carter, it's not about you. You got to call her. Let she's gonna like yell at you for like 15 minutes. Don't try to say anything and just stand there. And sure enough, that's what she did. I called and he was standing. We listened to it. She screamed, 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 yelled, 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 and then she hung up. And I remember feeling so I was I was livid, you know, um, because I realized in that moment, I I grew up in a way where you can't let someone disrespect you and just stand there and take it. And on top of that, she was saying things that were 100% not true because I'd had a conversation with her son and he told me his perspective. He had a learning, um, a learning difference, actually had a speech impediment that he was embarrassed about or shy about, but not embarrassed, but she was embarrassed about it. And so my department chair said, okay, now you got that done, go on back to class. And I was like, well, aren't I supposed to do anything? He's like, no, you just, you know, you just had to have, you just had to have her do that. And over time, you know, having people mad at you or having people say things, you know, his his wisdom and tutelage helped me understand in later situations, sometimes people just need that moment. And it was that situation and conversation that got me over that one little, not little, but one thing about being a teacher. Every teacher has things that they have to get over and you have to do some self-reflection and figure out what are the things that are really sticking points for you about things that really like pluck your nerves or, or jab you in your heart or in your emotional space in a way that makes you feel less confident about what you're doing. But teachers are chosen. They're not necessarily made. Teachers are chosen. And when you are a person that's meant for teaching, no matter how difficult it is, seeking out someone, using the advice that Alexis gave us, using some perspective about this is an opportunity for me to get better, and just focusing on what can I give these students that's going to make them better. And you may not be able to give them everything, but just bring what you can. And if you're in this profession and you're meant to be that in this profession, your kids will thrive. No matter how many parents yell at you, no matter how bad you feel, you know, you'll you'll develop the coping strategies to deal with that. But if you're bringing something that's sparking joy and enriching your students, you'll know and you'll be able to stay in the profession. So that's our conversation for today. I hope you found some information that was interesting or a perspective that you hadn't thought of. If you like what you heard, or even if you have some feedback, put a comment in our comment section. Be sure to like our page and make sure that you subscribe so that you can hear when the next video comes out. Thanks so much again for joining us.